Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. My name's Richard Byram and joining me on the line as usual again this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter, as you'll know by now, is the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League Writer and he also contributes matches and general news reports to our sister paper, the Yorkshire Post. The big news this week, I think, Peter, involves the Leeds Rhinos and the shock decision by Kyle Eastman to retire from the game. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? He's only played two games for Leeds. Uh, he's a couple of months into what was a two-year contract and um, he's decided that it's not for him. Um, I think it's obviously been a tough time for him. There's been a little bit of concern, obviously, he signed up at the start of March and then didn't play in the opening few games of the season. People were wondering what that was about. Um, played a couple of games, then got a hamstring injury and wasn't selected last week against Wakefield, although he was in the 21-man squad. Um, and I think he's he's just decided that having been out of rugby league for 10 years and out of any sort of rugby for a year, it was it was over a year between him playing his last game for Leicester and then getting back on the field with Leeds. I think he's just decided his body can't handle it anymore um, at the level he wants to be at. Well, I mean, you've got to give him credit for making that decision. He was on a two-year contract. He could, I suppose, just have, have sat around and and taken the money. Um, but he's a professional player, an elite-level player, and, and they. They tend not to do that sort of thing, and he's he's fronted up and been honest and and told the club that it's not worked out. And from what I can tell, obviously it's a blow for Leeds, but um, they've parted on on good terms, and and now the search is on for a replacement, which was already the case last week um, in the Evening Post. We broke the news that Rob Louis is not going to be uh, seeking a renewal of his contract when it ends ends at the end of this season. So Leeds were all aware that they'd need a standoff for 2022. Um, I think just the Eastman news has added a bit of um, a bit of urgency to the search. I've spoken to Kevin Simfield, which is uh, a story that's online on our website now, and he's saying that they've had recruitment meetings and he's confident that um, the squad will be in a good place. It, it's obviously going to be a huge task to find a standoff. It's a pivotal position. There aren't a huge number of high-quality standoffs that are available. There's one or two people like Theo Sarge at St. Helens. He's out of contract this year. Um, Jake Truman at Castleford's being linked with all sorts of clubs. He's got another year left on his, on his contract. Um, there are some available, but it's not going to be cheap to bring someone in, but Leeds are aware of the need. With Louis going, um, Eastmond having gone, and um, Callum McClelland, who's the young halfback who's not played this year because of injury, he's um, out of contract at the end of this season. So actually, the only specialist half Leeds have got signed up for 2022 is Luke Gale. And clearly, they're going to have to find somebody else um, even if Callum McClellan gets a new deal, they're going to need another halfback. So um, the search is on. Uh, Leeds tend not to comment 
when they're being linked with players. So we, we don't really know who they're looking at. The names I've mentioned, I'm sure, will be will be in the frame. Um, it's a, certainly a big job on Kevin Sinfield's hands as director of rugby to come up with the, the right player and a player who can who can improve the squad. Um, certainly, I think what's happened with Carly Spons just one of those things. Obviously, leads to taking some criticism from fans for it, and that's only to be expected. It it's I think it is a bit embarrassing for the club to sign a player and, and get two games out of him and. And then he decides he's going to retire. But any any signing is a gamble. That's why clubs like to bring their own players through because they know them um, and they know what they're going to get from them. Um, they're not dealing with robots. Obviously, Kyle's had a couple of months to think about things. He's had a couple of games and, and discovered he's, he's clearly, he doesn't think he's got what he used to have. And um, and he's, he's saying, well, I think it's quite a, a brave and certainly an honest decision to um, to call it quits, even if it's it's obviously far from ideal for the Rhinos. But if if you've got a player who, who doesn't have the confidence or doesn't have the passion for it anymore, then it's best that being out in the open and, and dealt with, which it has been. And, you know, good luck to him. He's had quite an incredible career. There aren't too many players who've played for England in both codes of rugby um, and um, yeah all the best to him Leeds will have to move on now yes yeah I think that was a very succinct summary of the situation Peter um, it wasn't succinct Rich I went on for ages <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I think that's that's you know that's how I see it obviously yeah and, and, well a nice a nice summary of the, the situation and you know made some good points in there regarding Kyle and his honesty. Just just to add to that from my point of view as a rugby fan in general, I was, you know, looking forward to seeing him play for Leeds. Obviously he's had a great reputation down the years. He came through at yeah. Saints, didn't he? And was a great young player there, which obviously persuaded England Rugby Union to pay a lot of money to get him to cut switch codes. And then uh, he obviously played for England as you say, a great achievement in itself and, and for the top rugby union clubs before coming back to Leeds, which was a surprise signing in itself, wasn't it? That, that kind of came out of the blue. And you were thinking, well, if this works out, you know, Leeds might have just caught everyone on on the blind side there, you know, with the, with the signing of Kyle. But unfortunately, it hasn't worked out. And as you say, he's been very honest about it. You know, it could have been dead easy for him just to keep saying he was injured or he didn't feel up to it or whatever, or, you know, that he was angling to get out of there with a payoff. But it sounds like, you know, he's retired with immediate effect, um, with people's best wishes, which suggests it was all very amicable. And he seemed to say in his parting words that he intended to stay involved with rugby, didn't he? He kept saying that he didn't feel he could influence the team on the pitch anymore, mm. but he would still like to be involved, so maybe he'll turn up somewhere coaching the next generation. Yeah, and possibly so. You know, just to echo what you said, to, to wish him all the best. It's a shame it hasn't worked out, both for Leeds and Rugby League in general. Um, but, you know, these guys, as you say, they're elite professionals and they know when they're maybe not up to it anymore or when the game's passed them by or they don't feel quite as fit and fast as they once were. And, uh, you know... I know that's always a difficult day for all professional players and amateur ones as well, of course. Uh, but, you know, he's 
done what he thinks is best for Kyle and for Lee Drynos and, and fair to play to him for that. Yeah, I mean, he's come back to a, a very different game to the one he played when he, he his previous spell in, in rugby union. Obviously, he's 31 now, so he was he was 21 when he left rugby league. And the game's, the game's changed. It's a lot faster now, more up-tempo. He's been playing a different sport for 10 years. Yeah. Um, I know the, the rudiments of, of it are the same, but it is a different sport. And... Um, He's come back at a difficult time, obviously after after lockdown and everything, and it's just not worked worked out for him. I think it just shows how how tough it is really to, to move between the two codes. Um, I suspect with coronavirus, we might see we might see some more of this sort of thing occurring. Um, I don't specifically mean at Leeds. I mean at, at all clubs or a lot of clubs yeah. over the next few months. Um, I know it's. It's been very tough for overseas players who've been here during the pandemic. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a number of those returning home at the end of this season. It's just just a reflection of the times. Really, yeah. it's it's tough for everybody. It's tough. It's tough for them. It's tough for the clubs. But you've got to remember, you're not. As I mentioned you're not dealing with with robots. These are these are human beings who have human feelings and everything. And and sometimes things. Things don't work out, and that's just what's happened in in this case. I'm disappointed not to see him playing um, at his best for for Leeds. The funny thing is, I've heard from people that when he's been training, he's looked very sharp. But obviously, he's found it tough in the the two games he played um, against Hawkeye and against Wigan, and and he knows his his own body and his mind, obviously, and and he's just decided he's. He's not at the level he wants to be, and when all players have to make that decision sooner rather than later, and and he's made it a little bit earlier than than anyone would have wanted. But good luck to him. And um, the, the important thing for Leeds now is to to make sure that they get a decent replacement in, um, whether that's for this season or for um, for next year. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Um, Callum McClellan's been very unlucky in that he would have been getting some game time this year with the other injuries, but he had ankle surgery in the off-season and then had a groin problem. He's getting close to making a return from that. And I think Leeds will be quite keen to see him get a few matches because he's out of contract at the end of this year and they need to make a decision on, on him. He'll be desperate to show that he's worth a new deal. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if once he's fit, he he gets a run alongside Luke Gale. Rob Louis is also not far off being fit now, and he'll want to go out on a high at the end of his um, three seasons with Leeds. So hopefully it's tough at the moment, but hopefully they'll they'll be um, they'll be okay in the halfback department for the rest of this season. But they certainly need a bit more a bit more strength and depth there. Um, Liam Sutcliffe has been playing there and doing okay, but he wants to play in the centres. Leeds seem as a centre in the long term. I think Richie Myler is now regarded more of a full-back than a half-back, although obviously he can play there. Um, and they do need um, a specialist in that position. I don't think there's anyone that's ready in the academy yet, so they're going to have to bring somebody in. Yeah, and I guess with Kyle going... Uh, 
frees up a bit more money as well for leads that maybe they weren't expecting to have so that may be able to broaden the scope of their search a bit more but um, more clearly clearly yeah he's he's obviously off the salary cap now rob louis is going at the end of the year and there will be other players departing as well i suspect there's quite a number off contract at, at leeds so um it's just a question of where they where they spend the money and i think a priority is certainly going to be be in the halves yeah and just talking about Leeds, uh, the game against Wakefield last week, Peter, I know you were there and we spoke after the game, a narrow win for the Rhinos, but uh, not a particularly impressive performance, I think it's fair to say. Not a, not a classic, as no. they say. I mean, they, it, went to, um, it went to golden point extra time and I think certainly everybody that, that was there and people watching, watching on the live stream would have been desperately wishing it wouldn't. It, it was a poor, I thought, high on effort from both teams low on quality. Um, I thought Wakefield defended really well, but just made some horrendous errors. Um, I thought from Wakefield's point of view, there's a lot of talk about Chris Chester and there was there were reports last year of, of the players not playing for him. Well, that's not what I'm seeing. I thought they gave everything they could give and it looked to me like they were, they were having a real dig for themselves and for the coach. And, now, let's face it, they deserved something out of the game. They deserved a point. It should have been a draw. Um, we've said on air numerous times we don't like goal. Well, certainly I don't like goal. No. Point. I think you agree with me. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the people listening to this will agree with us as well. But that's what um, that's the, the cards we're dealt at the moment. Leeds got away with it rather fortuitously with um, a penalty decision. You don't see many of those in golden, golden point. But... Um, I, I don't think they deserve to win really and I, I don't think Wakefield deserved to win either it should have been a draw um, yeah. from Leeds very scrappy performance the first half they were very poor they had all the play all the territory and, and possession and did very little with it um, second half a little bit better they had a couple of tries disallowed um, they could have won by a bigger margin but they just couldn't shake shake Wakey off um, and they made some some poor decisions and some silly errors as well gave away some daft penalties they're not playing well at the moment um, that said it was Luke Gale's first game back after a month out so he was bound to be a bit rusty I think it'll make a big difference this week when they get Zane Tetovano back um, he's just served a four match ban which was very harsh yeah. to be banned for four matches and it certainly cost Leeds um, Richie Miles back from a two game ban for um for dissent you obviously can't condone that sort of thing he's he's served a hefty punishment with a two game ban they'll certainly add to the team um richie myler i would imagine will come in at fullback i think they'll stick with Liam Sutcliffe in the halves um and jack broadbent who's been playing at fullbacks a very good job 20 year old rookie played a handful of first team games and and certainly he's a, a super league player Myler's got that experience. Um, he combines well with Luke Gale and that will, will add a, a, a fresh dimension to Leeds' attack this week against Hull. And St. Tetovano was one of the best forwards in the competition. He's started the season really well for Leeds. I know, now he only played two and a half games before he's banned. But um, he's a strong runner and a big hitter and, and he'll give the pack a lift. So I would expect a better performance 
this week against Hull, they'll certainly need it because if they play like they did last week, they're going to be in for, for a bit of a hammering, I think. Yeah, from a Wakefield point of view, obviously it was very frustrating again, all that effort and uh, bodies on the line to, to end up with absolutely nothing. And we've spoken dozens of times about Golden Point, just to reiterate what you say, you know, it doesn't add anything to the game for me. And I think you said both after the game and in your match report, it was you know, neither side deserved to win or lose and a, and a point was a fair outcome for both. And the actual 15-13 scoreline, I think, as well, was a very unusual rugby league scoreline, wasn't it? And obviously mm-hmm. brought about largely by the penalty. Uh, but again, a really sort of standout result that um, just f- for my own little bit of geekiness anyway. But yeah, after after the game, you know, Chris Chester, he looked absolutely distraught, obviously. You know, no doubt feeling that when is this thing going to turn? You know, we've we've done everything here. We can against Leeds at Headingley and we've ended up with nothing again. And, you know, he looked really upset, did Chris? And at, at that point, I thought, you know, maybe it's time for somebody just to take Chris out of the fiery line and give somebody else a chance. Uh, you know, let the guy have a break. He spoke, I think, in the build-up to the game about uh, the abuse and insults that had been given online and that had been directed at his family. And although I don't know Chris that well personally, I do live near him and I do see him round the streets and his children, as I've said in the past, go to school with mine. And he, and he's a nice guy, is Chris, and he, and he's, nobody deserves that, you know, in any walk of life and anybody doing that, you know, it's disgusting and you want to have a long, hard look at yourselves. Uh, there's a line that doesn't need crossing. And, uh, you know, I've, I really felt for Chris after the game, but then he, I think Jenna Brooks, the Sky woman, asked him pretty much how much longer do you think he can go on? And he insisted that he had the backing of the club and he had the backing of the players. And I think, as you said, they certainly showed that on Friday night. You know, they gave him everything and uh, they were just downright unlucky not to get anything from the game. And I think coming out of that then, you start to think, well, maybe Reiki really are on the cusp of turning a corner. They've got Hull KR this weekend and admittedly they had a great result against Cass last night. And have also probably defied expectations. You would maybe at the start of the season expected Wakey, Hull KR, maybe Salford and Lee to be battling out those bottom four slots. But Hull KR have certainly pulled away from there for now and leads with that win last week. Uh, you know, have given themselves a bit of breathing room. But you just think maybe Wakey can take a bit from that into the game, that at home on Sunday and a bit of a crowd will be allowed in as well. So that that's another bonus for them. And maybe now that they will be playing more of the teams around them, they can finally pick up a few points and uh, start climbing the table under Chris. Uh, he certainly stuck it out through the really bad times and, and maybe now he deserves the reward of getting some good times again uh, for himself and the team. Uh, you know, there were some good signs there, I thought, the other night. As you say, they did make some horrendous errors and again, sometimes on that last tackle, they don't look like they really know what they want to do next. They just haven't got that player who can just open the door at the moment. I know Jacob Miller's injured at, at, at the present time. And you just feel that sometimes that sort of magic man, the old kind of Paul McShane type player who just seems to be able to spot that little gap and send somebody through it. Wakey don't seem to have anyone like that at the moment. Of course, they've got their injury problems as well. 
<clears throat> and I also noticed during that game, the doctor seemed to come on quite a bit again for, for head checks, didn't he? And, you know, a lot, a lot of impact injuries again in that game. That did worry me just on a general level. You know, we've spoken a few times about concussion and I saw last week again, Tom Johnson's still struggling with his issues. And Chris Chester was saying that uh, he'll have to go and see a specialist because any kind of exercise seems to bring on headaches and migraines and leave him feeling unwell, which is obviously very worrying for Tom and for the club and for, for everyone who loves the game. You know, let's hope that Tom can get himself sorted out. We've lost one great player in Stevie Ward in the last year to those kind of issues. And, you know, we hope that we don't lose any more. That's so well said, Richard. Agree with, agree with that. Um, I think it's a very good point about the abuse Chris Chester's getting. Um, he's a good bloke. He's doing a job. Why? Why would you? Why would you want to abuse him? He's doing the best he can in very yes. difficult circumstances. Whatever you think of him as a coach, he's all right. It's fine if you if you don't think he's a good coach or or whatever. But that that there's no need for um, for personal abuse. Um, in in any form like that, really, it's you know we had that um, social media blackout a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? And yes. and with everyone in in the game and in all sports is trying to just eradicate that sort of thing. And I I really feel for Chris; he shouldn't have to put up with that. Um, Wakefield are capable of beating okay Hopefully, they're going to have Jacob Miller back this week but I was at the OKR cast game and and they're a good team OKR and they're good to watch the, yeah. the ball pings around all over the place they make they make errors and do daft things but when they get the game together they can be hard to stop um, Jordan Abdul's playing very well for them they've got two good hookers in Parcel and Lytton Ryan Hall is in the tri-scoring groove um, tough to beat I'd think they're a good team to watch because they're very unpredictable um, I don't think they know what they're going to do half the time <laughs> no. when, when they move the ball around they, they're they a good team and it's a good effort to get a win at Castleford and to come back from 14 points down in the, the opening quarter um, impressive and they really stuck at it when it looked like the game, game was going away from them a, a couple of times and they deserved the win, I thought they were the better team so Mike, you'll certainly have the hands full, but they've had an extra few days rest. Um, obviously, it's a shorter turnaround. It's six days for OKR, so it's not not a really short turnaround. But they've they've been through a, an intense game themselves, and maybe the extra couple of days rest will help Wakey. They certainly need to get a win sooner rather than later, don't they? they they're in danger of, of being. Cut adrift them and um, and Lee and I think Lee are going to pick up a few wins here and there. So Wakey needs to get some points on the board or some win percentage on the board or however you want to judge it this year. And and Sunday in front of the fans would be a good a good time to start. I do hope the fans support them whatever happens rather than getting on the backs if if things are going badly. Um, it's interesting, isn't it that. There were five Super League games in front of crowds on Monday and four of the home teams lost. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that tells you about the return of fans. But um, 
it's it's quite an interesting statistic, isn't it? It is. Um, strangely, the other way around, just talking about another sport for a minute, but when, when football first went behind closed doors, they found that the away teams were winning all the time because obviously the home home fans weren't there to either get behind or get on the back of those of the teams. So they were the away teams were coming away with shock victories, but to get your own fans back in and then lose in front of them, you know, it was a strange situation. Um, I watched the Huddersfield-Warrington game and again Huddersfield shot into a 20-point lead and fully deserved. And then Steve Price must have put an absolute rocket up Warrington at half-time and they came out storming back. And I think they got to within two points of Huddersfield and then Huddersfield got a late try and and managed to hold out. But, you know, really, excuse me, a really entertaining game and a good one, obviously, to to play in front of a crowd. Uh, we've been saying often enough during the lockdown, the only shame was there wasn't a crowd there. Well, there was for that game last night and it, and it was a good one. They certainly got their money's worth, although obviously the, the home fans would go home dis- disappointed. And a similar tale at Cass, I think 3,600 there, you, you said in your report. And uh, the thing that strikes me about Hull KR this season, they're always in the game at the end, aren't they? It's very rare. I know we've talked about them in the League and Cup and they've had a couple of golden point games and a couple of games where it's been, say, a converted try. And and last night they came out on the right side of that having... They were 14-0 down, I believe, weren't they? And so they, 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 they certainly don't go away and that's something Wakefield will have to watch. And certainly in the last few weeks, criticism of Wakefield at the start of the season was that they only played for one half and their fitness and match sort of hardness seems to be building now and and they do seem to be hanging on in games um for you know a lot longer period than they were at the start of the season so it has all the makings of a really good game that one i think um you know i think it could could go either way say it'd be nice if wakey could build on their win over uh, sorry the narrow defeat at leeds and obviously chris is a farmer Hull KR coach and you know while we're still talking about him the job at Wakefield's a very difficult one they haven't got the finance and facilities of other clubs and uh, you know maybe somebody in the short term could come in and and make a difference but overall you know Wakey's main aim whether we like it or not really is is to survive in Super League and and the other thing you know as well is that those idiots who abuse Chris or any other sports people are the same ones who are you know, buying and bouquets and pints three games later when they've had a couple of wins. So, you know, you know, on one level, it's hard to take them seriously, but on another, words do hurt and it's not something that we want to see. And so, you know, let's hope Wakey can get off, finally get off the mark this week and uh, start putting a few wins together. Speaking of coaches, the other game we ought to mention this weekend is Warrington against Castleford, yeah. the Darrell and Old Army. Yeah. Well, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Both teams coming off a off a defeat, um, and obviously they they meet again in a couple of weeks in the Challenge Cup semi finals. Yeah, so yeah. Um, that's another one for your list. Mm, yeah, sorry, yeah, I, I, that always happens, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all sorts of points of interest in in that game. I, it's just it's one of those tough ones to call, isn't it? I'd, both teams were in good form before um, Monday night. 
cast, I wouldn't have thought will play as badly as they did against Hull KR, but you'd expect Warrington to come up with a response as well. Yeah. Uh, home advantage, you'd say, would count, but as we've just said, it clearly doesn't seem to be doing at the moment. Um, I, just, I just don't know who, who will win that one, whether the coaches might decide on a short turnaround Monday to Saturday, whether to rest a few people yeah. and keep some of the powder dry for the cup semi-final. I don't know. You'd, you'd think that they would want to get a win on the board and just maybe strike a bit of a psychological blow. Um, tough one. Tough one. I, I think Warrington are a better team than some of their performances this year suggest um, certainly the loss to Huddersfield and, and the defeat to, to um, casting round one they've, they've had some good wins other than that but Cass as I keep saying on this I fancy Cass to win the, the Challenge Cup this year um, they'll have to improve on recent form to do it but I, I just think maybe it's, it's written in the stars that they win it this year uh, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever loses this week wins the semi-final. It, it could be one of those. Yeah. I think both games are likely to be um, to be very close. And Cass's, Cass's um, two cup ties have gone to Golden Point, so uh, <laughs> maybe they'll make it a hat-trick in the, the Challenge Cup. I don't know. We 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 shall have to see, but um, they're going to be some cracking games as well, both of them, the league game and the, uh, and the Challenge Cup tie. Yeah, I fancy that one to perhaps be one of these games where one side starts running away with it and the other one comes storming back. I don't know if it's my imagination, but sometimes Warrington, they seem to be better away from home. I don't know. They've, they had a good win at Catalans this season, didn't they? And, uh, obviously, last night in front of their own fans, they didn't really turn up until it was too late. They did obviously come back into the game and they scored some nice tries, but Huddersfield just had... Had enough for them, and and again, uh, you know, just on Huddersfield, they're the side who are now starting to click under Ian Watson. Um, I thought they were very impressive last night, particularly in defence. They worked worked very hard when Warrington did start coming back into it. And uh, I know Watson said at the start of the season when they lost the first four or five games that that they would click and and that things would come right and that. That does seem to be the case now. Um, you know, I was quite impressed with Huddersfield last night. And uh, as you say, from a, a cast point of view, uh, you know, you've tipped them for the cup, and and let's hope they do it. Uh, but that game, that is a tough one to call. Uh, you know, I'll go for a tight game again. There might be one try in it or a converted try or something. I wouldn't like to say who to. Possibly Warrington, just having the home advantage might help them out on that occasion. And just, just sorry, while we're just on cast, Pete, I noticed three players sign new contracts next week in, in readiness for the Lee Radford era. Uh, Niall Levels, Nathan Massey and Daniel Smith. That's three three good uh, signs of intent there, isn't it, for the Tigers? Uh, three good players and obviously Massey in particular, very loyal Castleford player and Smith's from Cass, isn't he? So, Staying at his hometown club and Nail Levels was only on a short time deal, wasn't he? And again, maybe somebody that the so called bigger clubs might have targeted, but he's decided even with Daryl leaving that he's going to sign for Cass. So a good fillet for the for the club there. 
Yeah, I think I think the Nathan Massey one's um, big for Cass. Obviously, Evans is a, a very talented player, and if he was available, the clubs would certainly be looking at him. But Massey's one of these underrated rugby players who fans maybe don't and people like us don't really see what he does week in week out but you talk to coaches and you talk to other players and they all rate him very highly yeah. very consistent um he's been a, a terrific servant to castleford over the years um played a lot of games for them and i think he's probably going to be a, a one club man and i'm i'm really pleased that he's got this new deal please for him and for the club he's uh, everybody needs a nathan massey yeah in the, in the team he won't create the headlines the way some players, your efforts, players like that will do. Um, but you wouldn't want to be without him. He must be one of the first names on the team sheet every week. And it's um, it's great news for him that he's got his the next couple of years sorted out. Um, I think he might maybe get one more deal after that. But you'd, you'd think and hope that he'll be a, a Castleford one-club man and be nice Another reason for them to win the Challenge Cup this year would be nice for people like Massey just, just to get some silverware and some reward for um, for all the hard work put in over the years. I'm a, I'm a big Nathan Massey fan. I'm, I'm pleased for it. Yeah, certainly. Deco, I love that. Just, um, just one, one other thing I wanted to mention um, this weekend. We've talked about Challenge Cup. It's also the women's semi-finals this weekend at York. And yes. There's going to be two absolute crackers. Um, the first game is York against Castleford, which we've spoken on here about uh, the situation between those two clubs. Just to recap, um, Castleford's coach, Lindsay Anfield, moved to York and the start of this season. And um, a couple of weeks ago, five of Castle's best players, all England internationals, followed her, which has turned York from a struggling team into one of the better sides in the competition. They beat Wigan the other week in the Challenge Cup. Um, and they're playing against their old teammates, Cass, uh, who've been runners up past two years to Leeds in the Challenge Cup. So that's going to be, a, you might say, there'll be a little bit of needle involved in that one. And yeah. then the second game is Saints against Leeds, who are the two outstanding teams so far. Um, I've not added up the scores from the weekend. Both had big wins on the weekend. I think they Leeds... Did. Leeds won a little bit bigger than than Saints did, but the the stats before those games were something like Leeds have scored 210 points and conceded 16, and um, Saints had scored 220 and conceded 10 or something, roughly like that. So they're both scoring an awful lot of points and not conceding very many. So it'll be really interesting to see how that one goes. Um, Yeah. it's a tough to call because neither of them has played what you'd call a, a top team yet. They've both had some easy wins and sometimes that's not ideal preparation, is it? You, no. you want to be playing tougher games, but I suppose they're both in the same boat. So um, it'll just be a case of who, who copes best on the day. Leeds have tended to get the better of Saints in big games over the last couple of years and they're the as we mentioned, the two-time Challenge Cup holders, they'll be desperate to make it a hat-trick. So um, I hope Leeds can can go out there and um, and do it for Yorkshire and yes. um, make it an all-Yorkshire final, which would be uh, would be tremendous as a 
part of the triple header with the uh, Challenge Cup semi-finals, the men's semi-finals uh, next month. So good luck to the uh, to the Rhinos women. Yeah, it uh, certainly looks at an action-packed weekend, as you say. We spoke last week about Cass and York, and uh, I think there'll be no quarter given there. Um, just looking through the results, Leeds beat Wakefield 74-6 and Saints beat Warrington 54-6 last weekend. So they're obviously both still in high-scoring form and very tight defensively as well. So, uh, again, it, it could be a try-feast or, or it could be an arm wrestle, couldn't it? You know, as you say, once the top two teams meet each other, maybe well cancel each other out and it might proved to be a lot tighter game or they might just both throw the ball around and could end up a 32-30 or something. So that, you know, look something to look forward to this weekend. York also beat Featherston last weekend, so they're also going into the game on the back of a win. And As you say, from our point of view, if we can get the two local teams through to the final, that would be great uh, for the area. And, and as we've said many times, uh, success can only not only breed success on the field, but attracts more people, more sponsors to the game, more people take notice and uh, become interested, and hopefully encourage more young women uh, to maybe take the step and start playing the game. Maybe not necessarily at those clubs straight away, but you know at the at a more amateur level, and, and then get picked up. Some everybody's got to start somewhere, haven't they? So it'd be a good advert for the game as well, and. Uh, Best of luck to all the sides involved. And I think on that point for this week, Peter, uh, we'll call it a time there. Thank you once again, as usual, for your comments. My weekly reminder that you can get the very latest uh, rugby league news from Peter's Twitter feed at Peter Smith YEP, or from my own at Richard Byron YEP, or at YEP Sport and YEP Sports Desk. In addition to that, the interview Peter mentioned regarding Kevin Sinfield, that's available on our website, yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk, where there's all the very latest rugby league and sporting news and news in general. And just to say again, thanks for listening and hopefully we'll be back soon.